pleasure to be here this morning. I'll give you a little two-minute bio to give you a little context for who I am and why they would have me come here and share with you this morning. Uh, my name is Bill Bowers, and as you mentioned, I am the father of uh, Donald and father-in-law of Jamie and grandparents of Tyler and um, Daisy. So anyway, uh, glad to be here with you guys. A uh, little context, I was born and raised in eastern Washington, so I grew up as a farm boy. Uh, my father was killed when I was 13 years old, and I moved to the big city of Kennewick in the Tri-Cities in eastern Washington, uh, and uh, kind of got involved in some of the self-destruction and corporate stupidity of the 70s, sex, drugs, rock and roll, a little bit of crime, and that kind of thing. Anybody else there in the 70s and still remember it? A couple of you. Um, so I ended up doing that, uh, dropped out of school when I was 17 and, and left home, ended up in Denver, Colorado in the restaurant business. And at the age of 20 years old, I'm going to scoot this thing back, just a hair. Um, at the age of 20 years old, I had an encounter with Christ and I accepted Jesus as my savior at 20 years old. And that got me out of a lot of stuff. I quit doing the drugs, things like that, got married at the age of 21 and started to uh, just uh, live the American dream, working in the restaurant business. I didn't really follow Jesus, didn't really go to church anymore, just kind of got saved and went on about my way, and uh, for the next uh, 12 or 14 years did that. Moved up here in Tacoma in 1983 to become partners in a restaurant and own my own bakery. I was a bit of a workaholic. Some people might still say I am a bit of a workaholic, but uh, we only got so much time here. I want to use it wisely and keep busy about it. So but in 1991, my brother, who was a couple years older than me, was killed. And he died just like my father did. Uh, they both died. Their death certificates both say gunshot wound to the chest. So in the process of burying my brother in 1991, I had another encounter with God. And I began to realize over the next uh, several months that God wanted me to give my life to him. And so in 1992, I gave my life to him. So my spiritual story is when I was 20 years old, I gave God my eternal life, right? When I'm dead, take me to heaven. I had no better plans anyway, right? Pretty easy deal to sign up for. At 31 years old, I realized he wanted this life. And so at 31 years old, I gave this life to God. And what he wanted to do with it, I found out, was to use it to minister to troubled teenagers. So in 1992, I started the Friends and Servants Ministry here in Puyallup, working with troubled teenagers um, because God wanted them to know that they were valuable, someone cared about them, and there was a way out of the mess they were in. And so I spent the next 18 years working with troubled teenagers here in Puyallup. And then in 2010, God asked me to leave that, and then I started the One Another Foundation. That's where I first encountered uh, the Celebration uh, Center Church here was probably in uh, 2010. We did a work project, some of you might remember, and uh, with Pastor Chris and the crew here. And so that was One Another Foundation was just about getting people engaged in loving and serving others. So John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And I always thought, man, if we just did that, like, wouldn't that change the world? <laughs> Right? So, so that's what the One Another Foundation was about, was getting people to do the one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to serve in the community. So I did that for five years, um, empowering people to get out there and love and serve and working with all the local churches. And then in 2015, God asked me to leave that and spend the next chunk of my life, however long he chooses, uh, to encourage the body of Christ, to encourage, equip, mobilize the body of Christ and empower um, the body to do what we're called to do. So I currently serve the John 17 Fellowship. There's a fellowship of pastors here in Piala, about 35 pastors that get together once a month. Pastor Chris, Pastor Mike have been part of that over the years, um, trying to figure out how do we uh, make disciples and then how do we 
go about bringing transformation to our community. So I've been part of that for the last eight or nine years, just serving churches and leaders, and I get to do teaching and mentoring and different things. I kind of act as a community connector and a catalyst within the body of Christ. So bottom line is, by the grace of God, I am where I am today, and I get to be here with you guys and share with you. So my passion, what gets me up in the morning and what keeps me up at night, is a desire to see the body of Christ, the local church, and individual believers and followers living, loving, and serving in such a way that the world will know that Jesus Christ is real, right? Because there'll be no other explanation for our lives. There'll be no other explanation. I want people to see us and go, there must be a God. <laughs> there must be a God because those people could not live like that. They could not act like that. They could not love like that unless there is a God. That ought to be our testimony. So that's my passion. And uh, that brings me here today to share with you guys about living and growing in the fullness of Christ. So a little preface for where we're going today and where we'll go over the next few weeks if you guys decide to have me back. I think there will be a vote afterwards, and so you can vote me out if you want to. But <clears throat> I got a little family in, so there could be, there could be some hope for me. Anyway, uh, over the last couple of years, we've had groups of pastors involved in these sessions called Shifting the Focus. And it's really coming together and wrestling with this question, are we really helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ? Are we developing people that are living in the fullness of Christ and all that God has called them to, or are we allowing people, leading people, and maybe even ourselves as leaders and pastors settling for something less than what God has for us? So, oh, I see he's got the slide up already. Uh, so this is a visual that we've been, the pastors have been working with for the last uh, probably a little over two years, and we've had over 30 local pastors go through this process together. It's a two- or three-month process where we come together, we wrestle with things, and then they're trying to figure out what to do in light of it. And we talk about this idea of what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, and so that top circle is this idea of living in intimate, dependent relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, personal transformation. We're no longer the same. Scripture says we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So there's a transformation that happens. We're not the same. We're no longer bitter, angry, selfish, scared people, right? We're different. And then the disciple lifestyle, we're living it out. We're free to love and serve and care for others. So when we talk about are we helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ, that's what we talk about. The other option, which could be happening, is what we affectionately call our American cultural Christianity. And this is really all about you. It's this idea that God loves you and wants you to have a good life. And you're in charge of defining what a good life is. And in America here, we define it a certain way, don't we? We have a good job. We have a nice home. We have a nice retirement plan. We go on nice vacations. Um, so that's what we believe God wants, is he wants me to have that kind of life. And it's really a little more self-centered. And as a church, what happens is we end up providing lots of programs and services to help make your life better, which... It's not a bad gig, right? I mean, we want our lives to be better. But there's a big difference we recognize in the idea of inviting Jesus into your life for the purpose of making your life better or giving your life to him for the purpose of furthering his mission. Do you agree? Right? Big difference. So for me, like I took the first one when I was 20 years old, yeah. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. I want a better life. And then at 31, I realized, oh, you want my life to further your mission. And so... So recognizing within the church, because we can get caught up in providing all those things, really it's kind of like the American dream sponsored by Jesus, right? And let's, be, let's be honest. That's what, and again, sometimes that's, sometimes that's what we were sold, sometimes that's what we bought, and sometimes that's what we want to see happen. <laughs> but it may or may not be what God wants to have happen. So anyway, this is what pastors have been wrestling with. 
And we recognize uh, that there's an obvious difference between those two, like in my story. And sometimes we'll use the language of believer and follower, uh, different language people use. But we recognize there's something going on there. So with the pastors, the scripture that has been fueling this conversation has really been Ephesians 4. I've got this on the slide here. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people, us, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as pastors and leaders, we're really recognizing there's a need to shift the focus away from the self-centered American cultural Christianity to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus and experience living in the fullness of Christ. And we're having some really honest conversations uh, with, with pastors and leaders and kind of some assessments of where we are and what we're doing in the local church and how we're measuring success in the church. Because the default measurement of success in church is, did they come, did they like it, and will they pay us to do it again? Right? It's, it's like any business model, and, and, and that's how we measure success. But you know, what is our real mission? Is our real mission to create a comfortable place for a happy group of believers? Or is it to create an equipping place for a committed group of followers? And I just have to tell you, it's been amazing. It's been scary. It's been freeing for pastors to sit around a table, five or six pastors, and really wrestle with these things. And I think it's a really interesting time within the body of Christ where we're trying to decide what are we really trying to do. Um, and so anyway... Just want to let you know that's what's going on, and there is a growing consensus, obviously, that we need to start being more intentional about helping people grow in maturity and the fullness of Christ that Scripture talks about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is this fullness. We're not going to talk about the discrepancy and wrestle with all that today. Today, what we're going to talk about is what is this fullness of Christ that God is inviting us into, and where are we in our growing and maturing into that? So with that as a preface, let me pray, and then we'll get into uh, the heart of things today. Father God, again, we thank you for the chance to be here this morning. We start with the obvious confession, God. We confess that you are God, and we are not. And it is only by your love and your grace and your mercy that we're here today. God, you rescued each and every one of us and, and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so this morning, we just say thank you for that. We are grateful for that. We confess our need for you. We have no hope outside of you, but in Christ, we have incredible hope. And so, Lord, we pray this morning you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear. We ask, Holy Spirit, you would be the one speaking. Uh, these folks don't need to hear from me. They need to be reminded of what you desire for each and every one of us. And God, I pray this morning you would help us to want what you want. So, Lord, we just trust this time to you. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Well, Ephesians 4 is an amazing chapter that really gives us a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. It invites us to live in the fullness, and it calls leaders to the mission of the body, and it also gives us a great vision for those in the body. So I'm going to read uh, a big chunk of Ephesians 4, and I just encourage you to sit back and listen as Paul paints this picture of what the body of Christ could and should look like. Ephesians 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient 
bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Vision piece here. Then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, right? Every piece doing its part, working together, living in a manner worthy of our calling, becoming mature, living in the fullness of Christ, no longer tossed to and fro, right, by the world, new in the attitude of our minds. We have this new self created to be righteous and holy. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. That is who we are, right? By the grace of God, we are the body of Christ. So that's what God has for us. He has this fullness of life, this abundant life. Um, and Peter reminds us, I love Second Peter, Peter reminds us of this. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need through our knowledge of him, our knowing of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. What for? So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is what God's inviting us into. And he says he has provided everything we need. And where we experience it and where we mature and grow is within the body of Christ. So we're in the right place to experience this today. Amen? Here we are. We're in the body of Christ by the grace of God, transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, how are we going to learn and grow in this? And so this is one of the things we've been talking about with the leaders. And one of the first things we recognize is that we've got to do a better job of describing what this is, what it looks like, and how we can experience Growing maturity, walking manner worthy, being Christ-like, new creation. What is it we're really pursuing? And pastors have recognized we have not done a great job of describing this and inviting people into this. 
So here's a simple vision, uh, visual that we've been using for the last, uh, you know, probably three years in kind of describing what this fully devoted follower of Christ might look like. What does it mean? What does this fullness of Christ mean? And so we're saying this. It means, number one, there's this personal relationship with Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. This Heavenly Father who loves us, who cares for us. He knows what we need. He provides for us, right? And then Jesus, this intimate, dependent relationship with Jesus, the one who came, he loved, he served, he demonstrated the Father's love. He gave his life so we could be reconciled to the Father. He calls us his friend. So this personal relationship with Savior, Master, and friend, Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because what? I'll send the Holy Spirit, and he will be your helper. Anybody need a helper? <laughs> I need lots of help. We need a helper. Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. He'll lead us into all truth. He's our counselor. He's our guide. So living in the fullness of this means we have these intimate, dependent relationships with Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ, with Holy Spirit. And then secondly, it means in this personal transformation, it means that we are a new creation. We have a new identity in Christ, don't we? We know our old identity, but in Christ we have a new identity. Things are made new. We're a child of the living God. We're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we experience freedom, peace, joy, healing, wholeness. Our lives are no longer the same. Transformation means there's a difference. There's a change in the nature of something. It's not that I'm a greedy, selfish person and now I do nice things, right? That's behavior modification. It's no. Now I'm a generous person. I'm a kind person because I'm free, because Christ has set me free to love and care for others more than myself. So there's a transformation. Our lives are different as we live in the fullness of what Christ has for us. And then the third thing in the disciple lifestyle means that we're living it out, right? We're loving others. We're caring for others. We're bringing the good news. We're bringing the good deeds. We're letting people know who God is and who God is in our lives. And we're transforming the world. The world ought not to look the same because the church has been around for a couple thousand years, right? And I've been in Puyallup for almost 30 years now. And things are not a whole bunch different. Yet we have 65 churches in Puyallup. About 14,000 people go to those 65 churches. If we are surrendered and free and, and transformed and living it out, there ought to be a difference. Again, it's that evidence that, that the, world is, the world is watching, right? And they're looking. I don't know if they're going to wait much longer to see some evidence that this is real, that we can live this life. So there's a disciple lifestyle. So this is what God has invited us into. This is what he's called us into, is to live in relationship with him, to live in the reality of our new identity, and to be doing the things that he's doing. So that's what God desires for us. And when you listen to the teachings of Jesus and you read through the book of Acts, you read the letters of Paul to the churches, it's clear this is what God wants for us. This is what he calls us to, and this is what he has provided for. So his great and precious promises equal that we can be living this kind of life as fully devoted followers of Christ, living in the fullness of what he has for us. Would you agree with that? That's what God has. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> this is what God wants, and it's possible. And so if this is possible, this is what we ought to be going for. We shouldn't be settling for anything less than this. Because when you settle for less, what do you get? 
less, right? <laughs> like, if this is possible, but would you like this? No, give me less, please. No, I want, we, this is what we ought to be going for. If it's really possible, then we should be going for this. We shouldn't settle for less. And this is the only shot we're going to get at it. You realize that, right? Like, this is our only shot. This is the only life I got. I got one shot at this, right? So we should go for it now. Let me ask you this. I'll ask you, and it's one of those things where I answer, so you know what that means. What does God want? <laughs> Why does God want us to have this? Why does God want us to experience the fullness of life with him? The answer is because he loves us. He wants us to experience everything that he has provided for us. He sent Jesus to provide all of this for us, and he wants us to experience that. And he wants us to demonstrate to the world that he's real. Right? So he wants us to experience the reality of this relationship with him, and he wants us to demonstrate to the world so the world will know that he is who he, who he says he is. You think God just wants us to have a reasonably safe, secure, comfortable life here on earth and then go meet him in eternity? I think he wants us to meet him now and to experience the fullness of life with him now, for his creation to live in relationship with him now. And so that's what we want to go for. That's what it's all about. It's about having life with him now, not just getting through, dying, and meeting him afterwards. I think the relationship and the fullness is for now. And I think we have settled for less than that. So the gospel, the good news is that we can live in relationship with him now. We can experience transformation now. We can live it out now. Amen. Do you agree with that? Okay, so, so, that's, so the question for us this morning, if we believe that's possible, if we believe that's what God desires for us, the question for us this morning is, where are we at in all this? Not what do we know about this, because intellectually we can quote scriptures validating every one of those things. The question is, where are we at in our lives, in experiencing, in growing, and maturing in the fullness of what God has for us. And that's a real question. So what we're going to do, um, we have handouts that we're going to hand out now is the time for that, our handout people. Um, going to hand, hand some slips of paper out to you that will help you in this process we're going to go through in the next little piece of time here. Oh, and I'll spin this around. Is this all making sense so far? Basically, what I'm saying is there is something that God has invited us into and something that God has provided for us. And the question we've been wrestling with as pastors and leaders and the question we're going to wrestle with this morning is, are we experiencing this? Can we experience this? That's a question. That's going to be a faith question. Is this possible? Is it possible to have freedom or is sin management the best I can do? Those are real questions that we'll wrestle with over the next uh, few weeks. But this morning, I just wanted to talk about this kind of invitation, and it's kind of the proclamation of what is possible. And then what we're going to do right now is just kind of an awareness piece of where are we? If this is possible, where are we? If it's possible for me to run a marathon, where am I today? Well, today I did about eight blocks around the neighborhood this morning. That's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm not, I'm not at the full capacity yet, but I believe that's possible. So... On your cards there, everybody got your cards? So what we've got on here is really just the circle. And on the front side where the circle is, just kind of this idea of, of looking at where are you, awareness of where you are. And so the circles have one through five on them. 
And so really it's one, and so we're kind of working from the inside out. So this is kind of minimal, this is maximum out here. And little descriptors there just to help us think is like, number one is like, I acknowledge, I've heard about these, I believe it could be possible. Like it could be possible to have this infilling of the Holy Spirit. It could be possible to have this relationship with this loving Heavenly Father. Or number two is, I believe, and I've had some experience of this in my life, but not consistently. Like I've tasted some peace. I've tasted some joy and freedom, but it's not a consistent thing in my life. Three is I'm learning and growing and beginning to desire more in this area. I'm starting to experience this. I've been loving other people. I've been stepping out of my comfort zone, and I'm starting to experience this. Number four is I'm experiencing a noticeable increase in this area, and I'm hungry for more. Noticeable increase means it's noticeable, right? People around you going, man, Joe is acting so free. I've never seen him like that before, right? Or Susie seems like she's got this intimate relationship with God. I've never, it's noticeable. People around you would say something's happening. That person is being transformed. Something's not the same. And then five is, man, it's my daily experience. I wake up knowing I'm a forgiven, free child of God, living in the fullness of what he has for me. That's just who I am and what I do, right? That's like, man. So what I'm going to do is we're just going to kind of walk around the circle. I'm going to pray here first, and then what we're going to do is I'm just going to kind of walk around the circle, say a few things, but I just want you to kind of mark each area as we go, kind of where you are, what your experience is. Again, not what we know, but what is our reality of these things that God has for us. Father God, I just pray right now in this next chunk of time that, Holy Spirit, you would, you would cause us to be aware of two things, what you really have for us and maybe where we are in our experience of that. I pray freedom, that we're not in bondage to uh, say something that's not real, um, but God, we'd be free to hear you, Holy Spirit, bring an awareness to us. So we just trust this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're not going to show these to anybody unless you want to. So, so again, just want you to be free to um, kind of as I walk through to think about where you are in these things. So, so starting in the relationship area, personal relationship. So this loving Heavenly Father that cares for you, that loves you, that will provide for you. Um, how is, is that relationship? Is that a, man, that's a five. I wake up, I know I'm forgiven and free. I know he loves me, he cares for me. Or... Is that, I don't know. Um, and let me just say up front, that's a tough one for a lot of people um, to experience the reality of love of the Heavenly Father. We were doing this with one session of pastors, and one of the pastors said, when you say Heavenly Father, he said, nothing. Doesn't mean a thing to me. He said, I've preached about it for 20 years, but I don't get it. So there's a difference between knowing about something, even preaching about something, and actually experiencing the intimate, dependent love of a Heavenly Father. So, so where are you at in that relationship? Jesus, Lord, Master, Savior. A lot of times that's where we came to meet the Trinity, so to speak. <laughs> if somebody introduced us to Jesus, like, man, he died for me. Oh, my goodness, I love him. Right? But then walking in the reality of that relationship as Master, as Lord, as friend. Right? He says, I call you friend. And I'll tell you what I'm doing. So how is your relationship there? Holy Spirit, again, some people, man, they really get that. Other folks, like, I don't know. It seems kind of weird. I don't really get it. So, so kind of where are you at in that relationship with Holy Spirit? So just kind of mark on your thing. You're, you're, it'll look different, and it's just for you, just kind of an awareness piece. One of the things we say is it's not so much where you are, but it's being aware of where you are. Because if you're aware of where you are, then you can move from that point. 
sometimes we don't take time to be aware. Um, so over here in the personal transformation, so again, freedom, man, I experience freedom, or no, I don't. I'm in bondage. I'm in bondage to lots of things. I'm in bondage to addictions. I'm in bondage to fear. I'm in bondage to pride. There are all kinds of bondages out there. Amen? Yeah, lots of, lots of bondages. Freedom, peace. Right? No, I worry about everything. Maybe you woke up this morning worrying about something. Right? Worrying about relationships, worrying about money, worrying about jobs, worrying about different things. Or do you wake up in peace, knowing that I'm his and I'm taken care of? Amen. Joy, not to be confused with happiness. I was talking to a young person yesterday, and I, I don't know if this was a good definition or not, but I said happiness is an experience. Joy is kind of a state of the heart. I can have joy in the midst of whatever experience is going on. You can have happiness when you're shooting off the fireworks. I might be happy, right? But there's no joy. So how's the, how's the joy factor? Is that something you wake up living in the reality of? Is it just something you've tasted? Healing and wholeness, whole big topic, right? Because many of us have brokenness. We have wounds. We have things in our life that those of us that are older, we've just learned to live around those things. Right? We don't even expect healing and wholeness anymore. We just expect to successfully live around the wound, to live around the gap, to live around the brokenness. And some of us have gotten pretty good at it. But I think God has something much more for us than that. So uh, healing, wholeness, where you're at in experiencing that. Over in the disciple lifestyle, the idea of being able to live this out And you'll probably recognize right away that the ability to live this out is going to come from some of these things, <laughs> right? If we're our own bondage and brokenness, we're not really free to love and serve and care for others. But, but how are you doing with that? Your ability to love and care for others, right? To forgive others, to not hold grudges, to not be bitter. Serving, caring for others, putting others above yourself. Sharing, and in sharing, that can mean sharing of stuff. It can mean the sharing of the good news, the sharing of your life with others. Caring. Genuine concern for others, right? And again, outside of Christ, we're all pretty self-oriented, right? <laughs> if we wake up outside of Christ, all we think about is self. So when we wake up in the morning, got to get in Christ really quick. Otherwise, I just start the day out thinking about what do I want. So, so everybody got some marks on your card? So it's just kind of an awareness piece. So it's just kind of where am I? And part of it starts by recognizing what God has for us, but then where am I really at? So let me ask you this. How many of you have room to grow? Okay. I'm hoping every, if, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to come and talk to you afterwards so I can learn and grow from you, right? We all have room to grow, okay? Um, there's some areas where we can experience more of what God has for us. Um, but before we get to this next piece of where specifically we want to grow and mature and experience more, I want to share another thing that has become kind of obvious uh, amongst pastors and leaders as we wrestle with this. And I hope it's encouraging you guys that pastors and leaders are wrestling with this because it needs to be wrestled with, and it's happening, and I think that is a miracle in and of itself. I believe the Holy Spirit is doing a good awakening within the body of Christ, so, so there are people that are wrestling with this stuff. And one of, the, one of the conclusions we've come to on this next piece is, is really the high priority of the relationship and the identity element. Our growing and maturing hinges on the relationship piece. If we don't get this, then we're left to try to do the right things without the right stuff. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of times we do that. So um, the next thing I want to show is just on a, 
out of uh, John 15, uh, the branch and the vine, the vine and the branches. So Jesus talks about this, and he describes in this illustration, he says that he is the vine, we are the branches, and that if we're connected to him, if we abide in him, remain in him, there will be fruit in our lives. So the first piece is the relationship piece, and that is where we, the branch, are connected to the vine. This right here, we've got to be connected. If we're connected, then the branch, the transformation, the branch starts looking like the vine, right? Like you can hardly tell the difference, can you? The branch starts looking like the vine, and what happens is, boom, our lifestyle, there is fruit. So that's kind of the way it works. And we have to be careful of that, because I spent a lot of years trying to look like a really good branch and produce lots of really good fruit. But I wasn't really connected. <laughs> Anybody been there? It wears you out, doesn't it? That's why people give up on being Christians. That's why people give up on following God, because they try to make themselves a good branch and produce fruit without being connected, and it will wear you out. Jesus said, you abide in me, you remain in me, you stay connected, and pretty soon you'll start looking like me, and there'll be fruit. My life changed radically about eight years ago when I quit trying to produce fruit and started trying to abide. And it changed everything. Now there's fruit that I never produced. I'll never produce any more fruit. It just happens because you stay connected. I hope that brings life to someone in the room today because you're wore out. You know God wants you to be a good-looking branch. You know God says there ought to be fruit. <laughs> there ought to be fruit because you're connected, not because you're a great branch because none of us are great branches outside of being connected to the vine. So, so this is huge. So please don't start trying to do this or this without this. It just it doesn't work. Temporarily it can work and you'll feel good about yourself and become self-righteous. And the next week it won't work and you'll live in guilt and shame. Right? <laughs> but if you abide in him, if you remain in him, it changes everything. So, so here's where we are. So you can't skip the relationship part. So is there more that is possible and available for you? Yes. All right. So our next slide, just, just as a reminder of what... Paul says that when we reach the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, we will become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness in Christ. So right now, what I want you to start thinking about is, what does that mean for you, this greater intimacy and dependency in your relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Greater transformation, freedom, and wholeness in your life. Greater capacity for obedience and living it out. Increasing reality, I love this, just the increasing reality of love, joy, peace, and power in our lives. That's the evidence. When the world sees that, oh my goodness. When they start seeing us living with love, joy, peace, and power in our lives, they're going to know there must be a God. <laughs> right? Those people are not normal. That's not natural. That must be that divine nature. Right? That must be that new nature. That must be Christ in us. So, so yes, there's more to be had. So here's... So here's the question for you. On the back side of your paper, if you flip that over, it has the question, or I guess it's a statement. This is what I believe God desires for me in those three areas, in my relationship with him, in my personal growth, and in my lifestyle. So what I want you to do in the next, we're going to take about six minutes for this, is I'd like for you to just answer that. Listen to God. 
God, what do you desire for me in my relationship with you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Um, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be just a little bit. Yeah. Um, what, do, what do you desire for me in, in my relationship? And just listen. And you might hear him say, I desire for you to trust me as your father. I desire for you to have an intimate relationship with the helper because you've been trying to help yourself way too long. And I sent the Holy Spirit so you would have a helper. So listen to what God would say to you. In your own personal growth, in your transformation, what does God desire for you there? And in your lifestyle, in your relationships, in your ability to live it out, and in your interactions, what does God desire for me? So we're just going to take four or five minutes and just write some answers in there. I'm going to quit talking. And we're just going to listen and write something down in each one of those areas. Everyone getting some things written down? Okay. And this is an ongoing, you continually ask God this. Um, but for our time this morning, so trusting that everyone has at least one or two things written down. So how many of you would raise your hands and say, I feel like I know something or have a sense of something that God wants for me? Okay. So here's the question. And let me say this also as well. I think it's helpful for us to think in terms of what does God desire for me, not what does God require of me. And sometimes that's kind of been the school of thought we've come from. God, what do you require of me? And we hear what he says, and it's like, okay, I'll work towards that, <laughs> right? Which is much different than, God, what do you desire for me? And then remembering he's a loving Heavenly Father who, if he desires this for us, he will help us get there. He's not standing at the finish line saying, good luck, I hope you can make it. This is what I'm requiring of you, right? No, he's in intimate, dependent relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, saying, come on, let's go. This is what I desire for you. Nothing less than this. Come on, let's go. So if you've written down something you believe God desires for you, so this is what God wants for me. The next question is, and this is a real question, do you want what God wants? Do you want what God wants? Because sometimes God shows us what he wants, and we're not sure we want that. Even though we know it would be good for us, we know freedom would be better than bondage, but I know how to live in bondage. I've done it for 30 years. I don't know how to live in freedom. That's scary. True stuff, right? It's, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we're not sure we want what God wants. I had a meeting with a young lady the other day, and, and you know, God wants her to trust him as her heavenly father. And it's just so hard. It's so hard. We ended up, the prayer was, God, I want to want what you want. That was as close as she could get that day. Not I want what you want, but I want to want. <laughs> God, help me want. And sometimes that's where we're at. God, help me want. I'm not even sure I want it. God, help me want what you want. So here's the question for us today. Do you want what God wants? And so if the answer is yes, what we want to do today is on your card there, you've got a sticky note. And on that sticky note, pick one thing that you know God wants for you that you want. And write on that sticky note, God, I want. Whatever that is. God, I want to trust you. God, I want freedom. 
God, I want more peace. God, I want to be able to love others. Write on that sticky note something that you want. But start it with God, I want. And what we're going to do in a minute, you're going to write those down, and we're going to actually have you come up and stick those on here. And you can stick them where, if it's a relationship, stick them there, transformation. Not all that important, but for you it may be. This is really an exercise for us, for you, for you to be able to say, God, I do want that. And it's kind of like a proclamation. You're saying, God, I want to trust you. And God, I recognize outside of you, I can't trust you. <laughs> right? I need you. We're back where we started. We desperately need God. We can't do any of this alone. So write those down on your notes there. And then in a minute here, Clint's going to come up and just play some music in the background and just going to have you walk up and stick it on there. But do it as a proclamation. Do it as a step where you're saying, God, I want what you want, and I'm trusting you to either do a miracle today, or that happens today, right? Because you can be set free in a miracle moment, or it could be the moment of a progressive miracle that starts today. But something starts today. We can't stay the same. God has so much for us. And so that's what today is about. It's about a step of saying, God, we want what you want. Individually, collectively, you guys are wrestling with this, right? As elders, you're wrestling with, God, what do you want for us as a body? And to be able to collectively say, God, we want what you want. But let's start today as individuals by saying, God, we want what you want in our lives in these areas. So with that, go ahead and we're going to play some background music and just come on up, just walk up and put it on there. And, um, but do it in faith believing. The beginning today, things begin to change. I begin to experience more of what God has for me in my relationship with him, in my personal formation and transformation. None of us are too old to be transformed, praise the Lord, right? And none of us are too young to be transformed. And we're all called to live it out, to live in the freedom and fullness of what God has for us. So go ahead and start coming on up and stick those on the board. Father God, I just, we just thank you. God, we thank you that you are not going to leave us alone. You're not going to let us settle for less than what you desire for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that that's your, your job, is to be the helper, the reminder. That you will remind us of the promises of the Father and of the Son, and you will remind us that there is a, a new life to be lived, a life to be lived in the presence of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ and living in the fullness of what you have for us. So thank you that this morning you have reminded us, and we trust that you will continue to remind us. Uh, again, you love us that much <laughs> that you're not going to let us be. You're going to keep inviting us. And so we just say thank you for that this morning and pray for each one here, Lord, as you have spoken to our hearts, that we would keep saying yes to you, that we would keep believing you and trusting you. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you, the thing you wrote down up here, you've got it on your card, hopefully, um, share that with someone else. Share that with someone else that you are in regular contact with to partner in believing. It's so easy to talk ourselves out of things, 
right? We have our moments we're inspired, I believe, for this, but then we talk ourselves out of it. And I think God has given us, again, the body of Christ for the purpose of together we will learn and grow and mature. And so share that with someone. Get someone to pray with you, to believe for you, to believe for one another, to remind each other in that. That's the way it's going to change. It's going to change by the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God in each other, <laughs> right? Because sometimes I'm not in tune with the Spirit of God in me, and God brings someone else along. The Spirit of God uses them to speak to my heart, to remind me of what he's promised, to remind me of what he's invited me into. So, so I just want to encourage you to do that and continue to ask the question, God, what do you want for me? And then continue to answer the question, God, I want what you want. Next week, uh, if you're back and I'm back, um, we're going to focus on we're going to focus on the relationship piece. This Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What is this intimate, dependent relationship that God is inviting us into, and how can we experience more of that in our lives? So. Look forward to sharing more of that next week. I just want to kind of do a prayer, a proclamation of faith over you guys. God, we just say thank you again for what you have shown us this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would remind us. I pray for just a spirit of faith, of expectancy, of anticipation. God, that uh, maybe we even make a little time next week for testimonies of what has changed, what has happened in our lives because we have chosen to believe you today, to trust you today, to take a step of faith, believing and saying, God, I want what you want. Lord, I pray there will be testimonies of that when we come together next week and even throughout the week. The Holy Spirit, you'll continue to remind us and invite us and help us to say yes. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.